0: Elliot Cohen is one of the most important voices, minds in international affairs, in strategic issues in the United States in the past 20, 25 years. And he had an article in 2022 in foreign affairs, of course, the very influential magazine focusing on international relations, uh, foreign issues, blah, blah, blah with a very interesting argument. He basically argued that grand strategies do not work these days. And instead, what is needed, particularly in America, is statecraft. The craft of strategic decision-making in a very different way from how it is adopted in grand strategies. And he starts by invoking an interesting, uh, I don't know, anecdote, say, or, or episode from history. He tells us that on the eve of D-Day, of course, the most important invasion by the Allied forces, by the by Britain, by the United States, of France, so as so as to drive out Nazi Germany. And D-Day is basically seen as the end of the Second World War. This is the moment where or when Nazi Germany became clear that it has or had lost the war and that the Allies won. Eliot Cohen tells us that on the eve of that incredibly important moment in the Second World War, Franklin Roosevelt, the President of the United States at the time, and effectively the leader of the Allies worldwide, decided to relax with, over uh, watching a film, a movie, and that Dwight Eisenhower, General Dwight Eisenhower, the General Commander of the Allied forces in Europe, and the man basically responsible for the landing, the D-Day landing in France, also chose to spend the evening of D-Day reading a Western novel. Elliot Cohen here is basically trying to be a bit funny but effectively telling us that big important decisions at crucial moments need not be taken in a very tense way with 500 staffers holding so many dossiers arguing pro and con and no, he basically tries to tell us that common sense and that the aptitude for correct, serious, solid decision making lies at the core of statecraft. But before he delves into explaining what he really means by statecraft, he puts forward two points. He says, Indeed, the US under any circumstances and irrespective of how much money and effort China will invest in its military in the next say 5 to 10 years, despite all of that, the United States will continue to be by far the most powerful military in the world. Certainly the most experienced as well military in the world. And he says economically, China might overtake the US as the largest economy in the world and actually by some standards it has already overtook the US in that domain but still the US will continue to be the second largest economy in the world and without doubt the most innovative economy in the world and yet despite these two points today 2023 and the coming few years is a very crucial moment for america for one very simple point that in the last 30 years since the end of the cold war in 1990 say and even in the 20 years prior to that in the 1970s 1980s when the u.s was more or less winning the cold war it was the soviet union was there as a superpower but still america was the primary superpower basically he's saying in the past 50 years the u.s could afford to make mistakes its margin of error was high and it could afford to have a high or a large margin of error because it was the primary superpower in the 70s and 80s and the sole superpower in the past 30 years today at this moment where China is rising to be a real challenger to the US despite the economic more or less parity and despite the military superiority, despite that the US's margin of error is shrinking. It cannot have the ability or cannot afford to do many mistakes. Elliot Cohen tells us because of that, the US must, in his view, leave aside this notion of strategizing and adopt statecraft, adopt an agile way of making strategic decisions, a very flexible way of making strategic decisions. And Cohen invokes arguably the most famous grand strategy in the history of the US and probably in the history of international relations and that is the paper that was written by the very very famous American diplomat George Kennan. George Kennan in 1947 was a diplomat in the Soviet Union based an American diplomat stationed in Moscow and he wrote also for foreign affairs an essay that came to be known as essay X. Why X? Because he could not sign it under his name and therefore just uh, it was authored by X as he was an inactive service. Anyway, that essay in foreign affairs evolved to become the blueprint of the American strategy of containing the Soviet Union which was the primary grand strategy of the US in the 1950s up to say the 1970s at the heydays of the Cold War. Eliot Cohen tells us indeed there are moments in history when grand strategies are very useful and he says that the essay x that george cannon wrote for foreign affairs which later on became the strategy of containment was absolutely fine and wonderful for its day but today at the beginning of the new strategic confrontation between the us and the west behind it and on the other side china and the collection of countries around it grand strategies do not work today do not work in the current circumstances why the most important point that eliot cohen starts with and repeats throughout the essay is that grand strategies by default are based on simplifications which is absolutely correct yes and that perhaps in the 1940s 50s 60s simplifications could work the world more or less was relatively simple relatively today the world is so complicated in almost all fronts that simplifications are highly problematic the simplifications upon which any grand strategy is based will lead by default to problematic decision making the second reason he says grand strategist will not work today is that America itself is entering this new confrontation with China in a very interesting position. On one hand, America is a status quo power. By that he means that America wants to maintain the status quo as much as possible, which is normal because America today is the primary, some would say the only, superpower in the world while China is a challenger and therefore it's normal that the existing superpower wants to maintain the moment in which it is the superpower. So America is a status quo player. On the other hand, however, America is a revisionist player. By that, he means that already in certain parts of the world, such as in Asia, East Asia in particular, China has already established very serious years of influence, which makes America already want to revision some of these points, want to change some of these circumstances. And he says, which is an interesting point, that you can't, as a country, as a state, you can't adopt a grand strategy that is consistent, and one that will be the framework of your work on the global scene, while on one hand you are a status quo player who wants to maintain the status quo and on the other side you are a revisionist player it doesn't work like that the third or fourth point why in Elliot Cohen's assessment grand strategies don't work today is that grand strategies also more or less by default focus on the grand pictures focus on, on the big issues and they do not pay too much attention to Tiny small details, and yet, tiny small details such as who is making a decision today is of immense importance. In in specifically the the confrontation that the U.S. and China are entering into today. Pourquoi? Why, Doctor Cohen? Because in his view, China today, under Xi Jinping, President Xi Jinping, is highly influenced by Xi Jinping's views dispositions about about the world his understanding and interpretation of history and therefore any decision-making process the US adopts in dealing with China and therefore in this grand confrontation it is entering must focus on the details of the world view of President Xi Jinping and again such focus on the individual at that specific moment in time is not at all a characteristic of grand strategies. Eliot Cohen tries to elaborate a bit on his idea with two I think uh, good analogies or good examples one of them is that of a judo player and he says anybody who played judo or martial arts in general knows that you enter um, a game with a plan in mind and yet the most important skill that any judo player or martial artist has is not really to to have a plan realistically what happens is that you adapt to the movements of the opponent and you are agile in seeing detecting and acting upon Opportunities, and that, in his view, is something that grand strategists. His here is Elliot Cohen. In in Elliot Elliot Cohen's view, this agility is not really a characteristic at the core of any grand strategy. It is, however, a characteristic inherent in statecraft. The other analogy or or point that he puts forward in front of his readers to internalize the problem with grand strategy and the advantage of of having a, a real good statecraft is a view that Isaiah Berlin, the very impressive actually and certainly very influential philosopher in Britain in the 1950s, and well, at the, at the beginning and the height of the Cold War, Isaiah Berlin had this view that knowledge of course is important but what is by far more superior to knowledge is understanding meaning to be able to synthesize to make sense to draw real in-depth insights from the knowledge that one gathers and here again Iliad Cohen is basically trying to say that this kind of insights of in-depth understanding is inherent to the idea of statecraft. The other reason I can't remember four or five that why against uh, grand strategists have a problem is that in the 1950s, 1960s, to a large extent, wars were clear. Wars were one-dimensional, if you'd like. Today, wars are very hybrid as in there are grey zones, because you have obviously military deployments in wars, but you also have political confrontations, there are economic wars in different forms, there are psychological wars, there are different forms of cyber wars, there are cultural wars, certainly, and other intersections between all of that, and therefore he's saying that there is today a very high level of complexity in the notion of wars in strategic confrontations, such as the nascent one between the US and behind the West, and on the other side, China and its allies, that to be, to work with a mono-dimensional, a one-dimension framework, such as most, most grand strategies are, does not yield a good result. And therefore, because of this hybrid nature of wars, today one needs, or a country needs, proper statecraft. Cohen continues, again, he's trying to show us complexity in different ways, so he says also in the categories of countries today is much more difficult and complex than the world of 40, 50, 60 years ago. Then it was easy to say who are the allies of the US and who are the enemies and end of story. It was easy to say, these are democracies, these are not democracies, thank you very much, end of story. Today, the situation is different. He says there are, yes, there are certainly democracies, but there are many democracies where actually democracy, the notion of democracy is declining, is sliding. And there are autocracies that are embracing some notions of liberal representation. In the world of economics, it's even more complicated because there are liberal democracies with certainly free market economic system in them but that are rejecting aspects of capitalism we've seen a lot of that recently in europe and on the other side you have socialist or even communist countries china is the most obvious example that are embracing a lot of ideas and ways of doing business that are from capitalistic systems and you have many hybrid things in between. So his point is that it's not just that that the political system in the world is becoming complex and we cannot designate easily who is with us and who is against us. He's also saying economically, and I would say even socially, the world today is much more complex than it was 50, 60 years ago. And therefore, again, grand strategies do not lend themselves naturally such complexity. When he comes to actually defining or explaining what is statecraft, Elliot Cohen talks a lot, but there's one sentence I, or three words basically, he uses in one sentence that I think says a lot, encapsulate the idea. He says, it effectively, I mean, he doesn't say it in these words, but the message is, it effectively boils down to mindset, culture, and preparation. Mindset, culture, and preparation. And that is, I think, inherent in the word craft. In Arabic, we say sana. Sana, the craft, is something that one acquires over a long, over many years. One is an apprentice to get a sana, to get the craft of, say, being a carpenter. Under a master carpenter, one drains and trains and trains, and, and arise after many years to a point where it becomes almost second nature doing that that job, that that thing, say here being a carpenter. It it also comes not just by learning how to do things, but by internalizing the process of doing something. One acquires and develops a mindset of, of doing that thing he or she is doing. And the same applies here to the craft of statehood, of managing a state, particularly on the world theater. This is At the heart of it is the preparation that is entailed again in being good at statecraft. And if you have that, then you build the culture of statecraft. Obviously, this is vastly different from a culture in which everything is very bureaucratic, everything is done according to very specific processes that often is just balancing the interests of different individuals or institutions. And he draws a lot on the experience of the United States in decision-making in the United States in the past 20 years or so. And many observers of the U.S., especially from abroad, from outside, they look at what's happening in the U.S. and say, I don't understand what does it mean Congress is not approving to fund the federal government, for example, which happened a number of times in the past few years. And many examples of that. And the idea that there is or there are issues with the functioning of the United States internal system, which here is following very rigid ways of doing things based on rules that some would say a bit antiquated now, certainly not very agile to the current circumstances. And the idea that that Elliot Cohen is trying to, to get us to arrive at, or mainly the decision makers in America to arrive at, is that there is a need for having a very different decision-making culture and part of that he says could be achieved by changing or reviewing the decision-making processes in America for example trying to address the notion of polarization in having certain positions or appointments filled for example relooking looking at the way we educate we here means America educate decision makers. He does not say, oh, we have to spend I don't know much how much money into having a new generation of leaders over two, three decades. No, he's much more pragmatic than that. So he says, for example, we need to offer succinct courses, for example, in liberal arts colleges, of which, of course, America is the best in the world. And in these liberal arts colleges, we design very succinct, pragmatic seminars or courses to prepare groups that we. We'll enter decision-making circles with a different mindset a mindset that is attuned to the craft of statehood particularly in international relations